Welcome to the Mental Health in Schools podcast, designed and delivered by Anna Bateman. Welcome everyone to House in Education's podcast. So we're on episode 11, series two, and I'm absolutely thrilled to be joined today by Emma Francis. And I'm going to get her to explain a little bit more about her role. The theme today is around young carers, and particularly around those young carers who may be caring, supporting someone with a mental health difficulty. First, a quick word from our sponsors. At Jigsaw PSHE, we believe that personal development and strategies to build mental well-being need to be taught and not left to chance. Jigsaw, the mindful approach to PSHE, leads the way in providing children and young people with its acclaimed, well-structured and developmental lesson-a-week learning experience in PSHE from ages 3 to 16. Detailed lesson plans and all the teaching resources needed, along with free updates and ongoing support, make Jigsaw an invaluable, relevant and fresh resource, taking the worry out of PSHE planning. Written by teachers for teachers. A mindfulness philosophy and practice underpins the whole programme. Statutory government requirements for relationships, health and sex education are amply covered. For more information, go to www.jigsawpshe.com or call at Jigsaw HQ. Now to the podcast. Emma, thanks so much for joining me today. Could you say hello and then introduce yourself? Hi Anna, thanks for having me today. My name's Emma Francis and I'm Client Service Manager for Birmingham Mental Health Carers Support Service and we support carers from the age of four upwards who care for a loved one, a parent, a relative, an older sibling, a younger sibling with a mental health issue. Thank you. And really, because our listeners are senior mental health leads, I'm really thrilled that I've been able to get you to come along and talk about what you do, because I think I got to the age of about 44. I know I don't look it, um, but I got (laughs) to the age of about 44. I realised that I was actually a young carer myself because my dad had quite a significant mental illness. And it's funny because I, I obviously I knew I was caring for my family, but obviously that care was an emotional care and a welfare care rather than me cooking or doing anything so I think there's a challenge around the words around that so for me it was a real revelation to get to that age and go oh my goodness I was a young carer and all the aspects that that brought to the way that I imagined my teenage years and my school years so it brings a lot of passion for me to really help schools to understand how we might spot hidden young carers and also what we can do to support them so I'm really thrilled that you're going to share your wisdom around this How is it that schools could be able to spot these young carers, do you think, Emma? I think the point that you've just made is absolutely right, because I think whilst we're looking at how schools can spot young carers, we've also got to look at our young people who don't recognise that they are doing that caring role, like you've just said about yourself. When we speak to our young people to help them recognise that they might be a young carer, we say to them, you know, it's not about cooking, cleaning, washing up helping getting younger siblings ready it's about providing support whether that's emotional or physical and actually we help them to understand that if they are impacted in any way by the cared for's mental health issue that they are a young carer because we've got some young carers who 
they don't provide too much emotional support. They don't do a physical caring role, but actually they don't want to leave their parent on their own because they're worried about them. So to us, they're a young carer as well because they're becoming socially isolated because of not wanting to leave the parents. So I think one of the main things that we need to do is we need to get that knowledge across to our young people. So in order to help professionals and, and teachers and, and everybody that we sort of work with to recognise young carers, it's about helping our young carers recognise that they are doing a caring role. One of the things that we've done as an organisation is we've, we've done lots of service deliveries in schools and we've attended assemblies and we've done workshops so that yeah. actually we've we've planted that seed into the heads of our young people. We've then been approached by schools and teachers and pastoral leads who have said to us, oh, I've had a, a young person come up to me because they think their friend might be a young carer after they've heard what you've had to say in the assembly or you know in the workshop I think it's about promoting in schools exactly what a young carer is and the definition of a young carer and to let our our young people know that they don't have to be doing that physical caring role that they might associate with the label of young carer if they're impacted in any way or they're providing emotional support like you said or they're just anxious and worried about leaving their parent on their own then this all falls under the category of young carer very powerful that we can raise that awareness isn't it for our young people initially so that they can almost self-refer or have their friends to refer but then that does have that knock-on effect doesn't it to to other people in school how can leaders spot them do you think so I think the raising awareness is brilliant I wish that had been around when I was younger how can we also help pastoral leads form tutors class teachers spot them as well so some of the the signs we've worked with our young carers to put together a piece of work and it was around what would you want us to tell those people that come into contact with you at school or in a youth setting or wherever it might be, what would you want us to tell them were some signs that maybe you were displaying that they could have perhaps picked up on or they could have spoken to you about or asked for a bit more information about that they might that might have then given them an idea of what was going on for you at home. Some of our young people said it was around that constantly being anxious, so finding excuses in lessons to go to the toilet or to pop outside and sometimes getting themselves excluded from lessons. I've worked with young people who have got themselves excluded from school on purpose so that they can be at home with mum or dad or whoever it might be. So they said, you know, it's around those excuses, wanting to get out of lesson, constantly asking to go to the toilet, being anxious, maybe being on their phone all the time. And we might just assume that they're on their phone because they're messaging friends and things. But actually, we've worked with young carers who say, well, mum's at home and, and I'm texting her because when I left that morning, she was in a really bad place and I was worried about what was what she might do that day is that young person overly anxious looking for excuses and reasons to leave the classroom like going to the toilet are they deliberately getting themselves sent out of lesson or sent home from school and and again are they saying that they're ill a lot so it's not just around their behavior but are they saying that they're ill because they want to go home so any reasons that they might be displaying that they they don't want to be at school they want to get themselves sent home and then following on from that as well are they coming to you and asking if they can just phone home for this reason or just contact mum for this reason because again that's a big thing we had young people that say to us I used to say that I'd forgotten something but it was so that I could just check 
check that mum was okay and that she would answer the phone if somebody called. A lot of our young carers are late for school right. or they're non-attenders. And again, it's because of that that role that they have to provide in the morning. So some of our young carers, we've obviously talked about they don't carry out a physical caring role, but some young carers because mum or dad's mental health might be so bad that day that they can't physically get themselves out of bed, they're mm. getting themselves ready, they're getting their siblings ready, they're doing packed lunches, they're getting everybody out of the house. So late or missing from school, very secretive as well about home life, perhaps not wanting, wanting to offer any information about how things are at home, but also not wanting to ask any questions about home or their family in particular. Another one of our young carers said to us, and this is like a really obvious one that I think that we would all probably think, oh, we've picked up on that. But they said, I was just always really, really tired and really distracted because I didn't have any sleep. I was up in the night sometimes because mum or dad's mental health might have been particularly bad that night. And I'm just so distracted all the time because all I'm thinking about is what I've got to do when I get home or what I've just left this morning. Isn't that interesting, the level of secrecy? Do you think there's a fear from some of the young carers that instead of saying to someone, I need to ring home and check on mum or dad or whoever's at home, rather than rather than making up a story that I've forgotten something or, you know, why do you think young yeah. people do that? Like you said, I think it's that fear of, of wanting to perhaps not tell their peers because they don't want to be seen as different or they perhaps feel like they might be judged. A lot of the young people that we work with also, they've expressed to us that there's been different agencies involved in the family, with the family. So whether that's family support, whether it's children's services, and sometimes they'll say to us, well, mum's asked me not to say anything or dad's asked me not to say anything. And I think there's that real fear from parents as well, that when agencies become involved, they think, how is that going to affect them? What's going to happen to their family? I think Mm. it's a fear from the young carer, but also a fear that's perhaps then passed on from their parents that let's not talk about what's going on let's try and minimize the situation because actually one of the the really important pieces of work that we do with our young carers is to help them understand that we've all got mental health and we've all got physical health and just like our physical health is not stable throughout our life neither is our mental health and actually to have a mental health condition is something that is very very normal and mm. we we try and build around the, the mental health knowledge so knowledge of the conditions knowledge of signs and symptoms to actually help them understand that whilst mum or dad might have depression or anxiety that's not something that we're going to label them with that's just a part of mum or dad so again I think it's around really increasing that mental health knowledge, increasing knowledge of signs, symptoms, triggers, and making it more acceptable for young people to sort of talk about. But I think we are a a long way off. And I think there is that fear, definitely, that when agencies become involved, what's going to happen to the family? Yeah, and they'll they'll be protecting their family, won't they? Absolutely. From that sense. Yeah, of course. And what I love is the the idea that you can provide that information to them, the knowledge around mental health. So again, that reduces the level of anxiety, I presume, because it reduces the fear of the unknown. And the stigma, I don't know. Is there still stigma around, do you think, with mental health? I think, like I said, we have come a really long way, but we've we've got an equally long way to go, I think. And especially with young people, we do a lot of work around social media and the impact that that has on mental health. 
because a lot of our young people, we, we communicate with them through Facebook or WhatsApp because that's how we can reach out to them. And mm. they're aspiring to be like people that they see on Instagram or Facebook or TikTok. And I think they want to just desperately fit in. So we still get the message from our young carers actually that they didn't want to say anything because they don't want to be seen as being different from their friends. They don't want people to feel sorry for them as well. It is a, yeah. It's a hard one because when we're talking about signs and, and things that we can recognise, we've got young carers that said, when I was at school, I just used to be really, really naughty because that was how I got my emotions out. So I couldn't display my emotions at home because I was so worried how mum or dad would feel if I was angry or if I was sad. So what they told us is that they were holding their emotions in until they got to school because they were so worried of the impact that that would yeah. have on mum and dad. If they told mum or dad that they were sad, they were angry, that, you know, they'd got an issue or a problem, they're sort of very considerate of, of their parent or the cared for's feelings. And they'll say, mm. well, mum worries enough as it is, so I, I didn't want to add to that. So when they're coming to school and they're having these amplified responses to to events that happen or emotional outbursts. Yeah. Is that to do with what's going on at home and, and are they using school as their safe place to have those outbursts and, and those exaggerated responses because they can't do it at home? I think just listening to what you're saying, it, it seems to me the the significant importance of key members of staff, so whether, whether that's pastoral or or wider that are sort of digging a little bit deeper under a behavior rather than just taking it at face value and then sanctioning or doing something like that straight away and particularly when there's a pattern of behavior it's actually digging a bit deeper isn't it and finding out what's going on and being a bit curious about why a young person might behave in that way absolutely and and I think just asking the question why are you behaving in this way what is making you want to behave in this way and to just ask those questions and to maybe start asking a little bit more about home life and and what's going on for that young person when they leave school we work really closely with different agencies and we've sort of taken on the role of almost a carer lead but what we found is really effective is that if that school or place of work has a designated carer lead we've seen a real increase in referrals into our service. So I think sometimes it's about identifying that person that is going to take on that, that caring, carer lead role within the organisation because sometimes when there is somebody that's specifically looking out for young carers, the more young carers they identify, the easier I suppose it then becomes for them. Um, yeah. And then for us as well to, to work with, you know, with schools, I mean, we, we can provide training and knowledge around, you know, identifying young carers as well. But I think to have that real designated young carer lead, yeah. it, it does help because it, somebody is then responsible for promoting young carers and for identifying them. That's a really good idea, isn't it? For young carers as well, perhaps that lead person might do an assembly on it and say hey this is me I'm the lead person for young carers and this is what it is and I guess they're more likely to then perhaps go to them yeah absolutely and I think mm. if like we touched on earlier if it's explained in a way that a young carer isn't somebody that that just cooks and cleans and and, it, and we explain all yeah. those different aspects then I think that gets our young people asking questions then around mm. 
whether whether they might be a young carer because like you said in your experience it's not until you're much older that you realize that you were a young carer and actually when we speak to to people they say to us oh I wish this service was around when I was younger which I think tells us that there's probably a lot of people that would have, have benefited from it. And now a short break to hear from our sponsors. CPOMS is an online system for schools to manage pastoral concerns and events and is now used by over 10,000 schools. The main reason it works so well is that the categories of information a school logs on CPOMS are chosen by the school so that the concerns you face that are unique to your community or individuals can be logged accordingly. It saves a huge amount of time compared to doing things on paper. Chronologies for pupils or school-wide reports can be generated quickly. The Service Point support team provide an incredible standard of service and one of the main reasons that CPOMs are spread by word of mouth to so many schools. For more information Go to www.cpoms.co.uk, where you can also book a demo for your school. Now back to the podcast. I wasn't the naughty end, perhaps. I was really, really quiet in school, uh, particularly secondary school. Yeah. Really quiet. And there was that fear of what was going on at home. So all the things that you're talking about and, and feeling secretive, not wanting other people to know, feeling like you didn't fit in well, nobody would understand and of course, 20 years ago, the stigma around mental health was quite strong. It wasn't as acceptable. We have really come along, I think, in that way. So I really identify with all of those things. I think you're quite right. I'm sure there are many adults who have been young carers. For me, I think I realised I almost took on that young carer role all the, all the way into adulthood. When I see that somebody needed something, that feeling would automatically kick in. So it's really interesting to just notice what impact it has later on in your life when you've started off your teenage years or your younger years like that? Definitely. As well as the one-to-one sessions in in school, we do respite groups and activities in, in the half terms. And it's really interesting that you've just made that point because... Our older young carers, when we, we, we try and split the, the groups off so that it's our young carers are with people of a similar age, but when we do a Halloween or a Christmas party and all of our young carers are there, the older ones, the teenage ones, mm. naturally take on that caring role. And if we've got some of our real younger ones who might be five, six, seven years old and there is a problem or an issue or they need something, our teenage young carers just automatically recognise that and pick up on it. And like you said, it, it carries on to other aspects of their life. And I think that's another sign that we could maybe recognise in school. Is there somebody that always wants to be there to help and sort problems out for other people? And and are they coming to teachers and saying, oh, this person's not well, or this has happened to this person? What's making them feel that they need to be responsible for everybody else's well-being? Yeah, we, we are only a child or a young person once really, aren't we? So to, to balance that caring role they have with, with the fun and the, the other aspects of being a young person that needs to be there is quite important. So what do you think schools can do then? Let's say they've been able to identify young carers and, and on Housing Education's website, Emma's kindly agreed to share some handouts around how we might spot those young carers. How might a school support a young person then? I think it's fantastic in Birmingham. We've got organisations like yourself, but I imagine that not all areas have your level of support. So just wondering what schools could do. That is a really good point because 
if we were talking about Birmingham, obviously, like you said, there's ourselves and, and Spurgeons that you can refer into. So Spurgeons support young carers who are caring for somebody with a physical condition. And we support yes. young carers who are caring for somebody with a, with a mental health condition. So there are, I, I would say, look to the services that you can refer into, because for us that going into school and carrying out that one-to-one support and creating those support plans and working through their targets and goals helping them to realize that actually as well as being a young carer they can still achieve their goals they can still thrive they can still achieve their potential but they may just need a little bit of extra help to do that if you don't have access to a service in your city wherever it might be that can come in and offer that outside support to young carers then within schools that there is lots that can be done so one of the main things that we do is we identify the mental health condition of the parent and then we help that young person to understand it better so the more knowledge they've got the the less anxiety that, that they've got around it and the better they understand it the better we can then work with them to manage their their caring role working around identifying mental health conditions increasing knowledge also speaking to that young person around their future their goals their aspirations to help them realize that as well as being a young carer they've got their own life that they need to concentrate on as well and they do need to prioritize themselves that's a real big thing we set up safety plans with our young carers what that looks like is when the support is maybe coming to an end and agencies are going to be ending their support Mm. with that young person we'll say to them okay now now that perhaps we our sessions are coming to an end let's look at what we're going to do if mum or dad or whoever the cared for is what do we do if their mental health deteriorates this is the plan of action for when it's sort of stable if it deteriorates who do you call so we'll provide them with a list of numbers of local services so that might be a community mental health trust it might be an emergency number a home treatment team getting that knowledge around what services are available in in the area we will then help them to recognize when mum or dad's mental health is deteriorating and also look at triggers so we'll Mm. say to them right let's identify five or six signs that mum or dad's mental health is deteriorating and actually when you notice these signs what do you do who do you tell who do you talk to and I think having a really open relationship with parents as well including them in the support and saying to them we want to support this young person as a, a young carer working with them asking them okay so what community mental health trust are you under and do you have a psychiatrist do you have a a community mental health nurse what support are you receiving so that when we do put these safety plans in place and we can leave the young carer with the information that they need going forward we've done that with the family as a whole and everybody Mm. sort of feels included as well as doing these pieces of work and this one-to-one support around increasing knowledge and goal setting and safety plans, there's really simple things that we can do as well. In a lot of schools that we've worked in, we've had a card system where our young carers were, were given some cards that they just hold up in class and that lets their teacher know that they need to go and call mom or they need to go and call dad or they will have a designated time every day and it might be break time or it might be just after break time 
and some of our young carers, this is two and three times a day, but they'll have that designated time where they know that they can go to the school office or they can go to a designated room and they can make that phone call to mum or yeah. dad. And yeah. what that enables them to do then, once they've checked on them, it enables them to sort of concentrate and apply themselves in that lesson because they've checked on mum or dad and they know that everything's okay. And it doesn't always have to be a call. It could be just a text. But there are things that we can put in place in school to help reduce those anxieties for the young person when they're away from home. And I think having those plans and that openness, that really does, it helps to reduce the amount of secrecy perhaps there is and feeling like they've got to then misbehave to try and get themselves out. It it creates a more open approach, doesn't it, where everybody knows what's happening. And so children don't feel like they need to create a situation where they can then get their needs met. The needs are met through a real open approach. Definitely. And I think it's about talking to them as well about what what they would like, because this card system that we managed to to replicate in a few schools, that was an idea that one of our young carers said to us. They said that they just wanted, they didn't want to have to keep asking their teacher if they could go out of class, because then that raised questions with their peers as to why they needed to go out of class. And if teachers weren't aware of their caring role, then they would say, well, why do you need to to go to the toilet again or do this again? But actually, if everybody was aware that this young person had this card, they used this card when they needed to leave the the class for Mm. a couple of minutes just to send that text or to make that really quick phone call because every day is different for our young carers and some of our young carers come to school and actually the night before mum or dad might have had to go to hospital or they might have been admitted into um, a psychiatric unit and and you know as much as that's one of the more extreme examples, it, it's more common than I think we realise. And it is about explaining to that young carer that this isn't a reason or an excuse for you to keep going out of the classroom. But actually, if we can apply this method and it's going to help you to concentrate because you can reduce your anxieties by contacting mum or dad, then actually it can be a really effective tool to have definitely and I and I think we mustn't forget I think you said this earlier Emma that you know school is such a a safe space and a grounding space and it creates a routine and a it helps us to feel a bit normal and I know for me I was one of those young people whose father got admitted to hospital and the next day was in school and and actually it was the best thing for me being at home would have been probably worse because it the anxiety of what's going on you've got time to think so if schools can create a, a plan so that the young person can keep in that routine and they can still see their friends and be able to learn and keep sort of almost keep going even though life at home might feel a little bit chaotic definitely I think it definitely helps a lot of young people Yeah, our young carers, one of the things that they tell us that they really, really need is structure and they need boundaries because they don't always get that at home. So if mum or dad aren't well, the the boundaries aren't always in place at school. They haven't at home, haven't always got that routine and structure. And that's what they love about coming to school. They get to see their friends because a lot of our young carers carers are really really isolated of a weekend and an evening that's when their caring role takes place so they don't go out and play with their friends or go to the cinema they've got to be at home and they know that they've got to be at home so school is actually a chance for them to socialize and to see their friends but it's also a place where they've got that routine and they've got that structure and that's a really really important part of their lives 
Emma, do you know if there's any data around attainment or, or you know, how young carers do educationally at all? I mean, I haven't got sort of specific facts and, and figures and statistics, sure. but, I, but I do know that young carers statistically do a lot, lot worse than their peers. And I think if we, we could get them facts, them figures, it, it would be, be good because yeah. it's quite alarming, actually, that the numbers and, and a lot of our young carers, they tell us that it's not that they don't want to, to study or to revise when they get home, but they can't. They'll talk us through their evening and they don't have time to do that or they don't have a place to do that. There's nowhere mm. that they can go to study. And by the time that they have finished carrying out their caring role, it, it's time for bed. And, and, and some yeah. of our young carers, by the time they're finished doing everything that they need to do, it might be 11, 12 o'clock at night, which is why I think it is so important to, to identify them as early as we can and to stop them then being not able to achieve the, the same things as their peers, because that's a really big piece of work that, that we do with them as well. And it's around the goal setting and helping them look forward to the future and, and maybe to help them recognise what they need to do to be able to achieve their goals. So they do need to set that time for themselves at home to revise and to study. Where young carers have said to us that they don't have that time at home, then we, we've been able to work with school again to see if there's any provisions for them maybe staying at school to do some of their homework. And last year, before we were in the situation that we're in now, we actually had a young carers homework club at mm. home group. And that was where we met once a week and young carers came from across the city to a central location. They brought their homework with them and we supported them as much as we could. But they also supported each other. But it was about their parents and them knowing that for two or three hours, every Wednesday or, or whatever day it might fall on, they're going to do their homework. They're going to concentrate on their studies because like you said, they tend to do so much worse than their, their peers. And it's really, really sad. And I think that's a, a something that we, we massively need to try and change. Yes, I completely agree with you. And from my experience, I'd certainly my, yeah, my results were, I think I came out of school with just three GCSEs and I've had to work very hard to make up the time, make up, make up what I lost, really. I guess I was curious, really. I knew what my experience was, but I just wondered if that was common with with other um young carers but but clearly it is and and I think just thinking about that young carer that's got a caring role till 11 o'clock at night that actually where's their time you know they're back at school the next day and whilst it is lovely and, and grounding to be at school where's their time to do something that they love just for half an hour what I think is great about home group and things is that obviously when we're not restricted from seeing each other in the same way is that there's opportunities for them to get together and have pizza or cinema or do sort of really fun things that they wouldn't normally be able to do definitely and and even just a lot of our groups we we hold outside when we can and we go to the park and we'll do like a sports day or just have a picnic and it's the really sort of simple things like that that a lot of our carers do do miss out on to be able to identify them and to signpost them to a relevant agency or just to support them in school and to for them to know that their needs have been recognized and, and that they've been heard and that if we can make alternative provisions such as for homework or referring to different agencies for respite, they know that they've been heard and that, they've, that somebody is trying to understand what's going on for them. And I think that's so important because as a young carer, 
what we hear most from our young people is that they just feel like no one else understands them because their friends aren't in the same situation as them. They, they don't talk to their siblings about it because they know that they're all in the same position and perhaps feel a bit a bit trapped. So anything we can do to try and make life easier for them, but also to support them, to recognise and their goals and to set them goals and to help achieve them goals, to be able to, to thrive really as a young person as well as a young yeah. carer. Yeah. Oh, that's absolutely brilliant. Emma, I want to thank you so much for providing your time, your expertise, your experience. When we hear the voice of the young person talking and your experience of lots of young people that you've worked with and those commonalities that we see, I think it's really powerful for schools for it to really land in their thinking around why a young person might be behaving in a particular way or things that we can do to support them so I'm absolutely thrilled that we've been able to hopefully widen people's thinking around it so that we can support young people to thrive and to be young carer thank you so much Emma really, really no grateful. thanks for having me thanks for having me Anna it's been lovely to talk to you We hope that you enjoyed this podcast. For more information and support on this topic, go to the resources section on the website. That's www.halcyon.education forward slash podcasts.